You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello, and welcome back to the Screeners Podcast. My name is Daniel. This is Chad. And I'm Josh. And we are back with a bonus episode for you today. we got a great review uh, of a great movie coming your way later on. But first, I want to make sure to introduce our very special guest. Uh, he runs a successful PR firm, but more importantly, he is a cinephile and hosts his own movie podcast, $5 Film, where they talk about movies and tacos. Welcome, Rob Alderman. Rob, thanks for being here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so real quick before we dive in, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your show, $5 Film? Well, uh, we're a micro-podcast that is uh, dedicated to everything movie and taco. We go out on $5 Tuesdays and see a movie, and then we come back on Friday and we talk about it after we eat some tacos. Awesome. What's a $5 Tuesday? Well, here's the thing that most people, I, I guess this is like one of the best secrets in America. I'm almost afraid to say it. But uh, at this point, many of the major uh, movie outlet chains are doing like what they call Stimulus Tuesdays. So you can go on Tuesday and you can go see any movie all day for five bucks. Pretty solid. Yeah, it's super yep. solid. So, you know, I, I do that. I movie passed up until recently. Now I'm, uh, I, Chad uh, used his secret voodoo ways to trick me into the AMC the good side of life list. Good, yeah. Good so idea. I've been, I've been doing that lately. So yeah, I see my fair share. Awesome. And where can they listen to your podcast? Uh, we are at $5 film. That's the number $5 film, uh, on all the socials. Awesome. Well, we are really happy you're here and we are really happy for our next review. We are going to be reviewing black Klansman. There's never been a black cop in this city. We think you might be the man to open things up around here. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. Well, here we are tonight to review Spike Lee's Black Klansman. And speaking of white America, tonight's podcast is full of white Americans. And so we just want to get that out of the way right at the beginning. Uh, We are four white people who will be giving our perspective on this movie. Unfortunately, you're stuck with us, but we're going to do our best to uh, to do it justice. And tonight, specifically, we're going to be talking about Spike Lee. A lot of people are saying that this is Spike Lee's return to greatness. You know, Spike Lee is unquestionably an iconic filmmaker uh, in cinematic history, known for films such as Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, She's Got to Have It, Jungle Fever. The list goes on and on and on. The, uh, the IMDb description of his latest uh, is as follows. Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer, from Colorado successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan with the help of a white surrogate who eventually becomes head of the local branch. There is no doubt that in the history of 
Spike Lee's work, he is a provocateur. He often directs from a very specific point of view. Is this truly, because he's, let's just be honest, his last several films mm-hmm. have kind of been up and down, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie is already getting a lot of Oscar buzz. It was the runner-up at Cannes. There's lots of talk that our, our main character, who is... John David Washington, who's the son of Denzel Washington, uh, may get uh, Best Actor consideration and possible Director consideration. Daniel, obviously, is our Oscar expert. We'll let him oh, pontificate we'll about that. <laughs> but what I want to what I want to do tonight is uh, we'll give our, our general thoughts and impressions of this movie, and then pretty quickly jump into spoilers about what we thought about this latest effort and if it is as successful as many people are saying that it is. So, Rob, being our special guest, we yeah. are nothing if not. Hot hospitable here on the old screeners <laughs> that's what i tell people about you they say they say tell me about those screeners i say hospitable those right. guys <laughs> hospitality that's right that's right so rob let's start with you what did you think about black Klansman? sure so chad already knows this i think daniel you may too and now all your listeners can know i go kind of all the way in with my love or hate for something i really love this movie i thought it was great I, I don't. I didn't think it was perfect, uh, which I guess we'll get into when we get into spoilers. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a great time watching this movie, and it did remind me of uh, of like do the right thing, and that sort of I don't know the preachiness is there, but it, it didn't feel too heavy handed most of the time. Okay, okay, so full on love of this movie. You know, when I think of full on love. I think of Josh Ziegler. So, Josh, <laughs> let's go to you. Tell me, tell me, do you share in the love of this uh, of this film? You, wanna, you really want to go to me second? You really want to do that? Well, I, I feel like the best opportunity for contrast is probably right there, <laughs> <laughs> or not? Who knows? I, let's see. I don't know. I, I I might surprise you. No, I I am the opposite of Rob in what he just said. I try not to go all in on anything, either in either direction. Oh, I, I in, take, in I take, I take that back. John Wick is terrible. John Wick is a terrible movie, and John Wick 2 was worse. But they're funny, so they, they get a pass. Okay, never mind. Do you really Black believe? Klansman. Is that something you believe? He really believes it, Rob. Be, you'll stop being surprised soon. Yeah. The longer you talk with Josh about movies, you realize he really does hate movies. This so is really, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think it's good that you went second here because you strike me as sort of like a transformers 2 was a good fun thing like sort of guy oh boy oh boy you I missed just, that one I by a wide margin myself to see if chris was behind me is, is chris here no no well i, I don't know man you, you're you're about? an enigma black klansman oh right um yeah it's, it's been like weeks since i've seen black klansman now um no i am with you on this movie though rob i I don't know whether I'd like go full on love, but I really enjoyed this movie and just hearing that trailer bumper again on the way in just made me want to watch it again. Uh, it's like our show notes for this episode say, it's one of those movies you, you really wish weren't based so closely on the truth, but it is, it's um, very close to the memoir from what I've, what I've heard. And it's, I get the, the preachiness acts aspect, but at the same time, it's, it's one of these movies that if it weren't real, I would say it's too on the nose and, mm. and a little bit too preachy, but it is real mm. in so many <laughs> different aspects. It feels grounded in the time and yet still relevant. Spike Lee does great things with 
with uh, the music that he weaves throughout the movie, a, a repeating motif of music, and some of the, the shots mimic stuff from from that era. And the cast and just everything, this movie was really well done. It had laugh out loud moments and it had, I can't believe this is real in our country and it happened and things are still happening. But not to get too much into that, it was a good movie and... I enjoyed it, and I think everyone should see it. And I have Charles no history Jigger. with Spike Lee because I haven't seen any movies other than this movie. So. <laughs> you also don't need to be surprised about that, Rob. No, Josh doesn't not actually see very okay. many movies either. That's okay. I'm not. I don't judge. Well, you Thank should. You. Josh is worthy. You're the of only one here who doesn't. So <laughs> we appreciate that. Well, another strong recommendation from Joshua. So I have a sneaking suspicion that that's the love train is going to probably continue to roll here. So Daniel, what did you think? You're absolutely right. What I love about Black Klansman is that there's sort of two things going on here. First and foremost, you got the story that's really entertaining. A story of an African-American detective in leading an infiltration of the KKK. It's it's fascinating and just inherently really entertaining. It's a uh, it's it, on the surface level, the movie just works so well. It's fun, it's funny, it's thrilling. It, it's just overall, it's a great undercover cop story. And uh, so that's executed so well. But the second thing going on with Black Klansmen is this intertwined history of racism in America. And it's, it's told in these sort of bookends uh, to the film that I'll talk more about when we, when we get to spoilers. Don't want to ruin anything. But uh, with, with the bookends of this movie, the history is kind of weaved throughout the movie. Uh, and and it, it takes this movie, in my opinion, from really good to excellent. The ending of this film is so powerful and so moving that it gives the entire movie a whole new purpose for me. And so it was already good before, and that just took it to a new level. You can feel the passion on display in so many ways. Like Chad already talked about, Spike Lee is really hit or miss, especially recently. Obviously, he's made some really classic, some some of the best movies of all time. He's also made some really crappy stuff, okay? And especially recently, I, you know, it's been many years since his last, you know, good film. And he's also kind of a style on his own. He kind of makes movies that are just their own kind of thing. But for the most part, Black Klansman is really commercial actually it's really it's a pretty accessible movie it's not too out there too weird or or like you guys already you know alluded to it's not too preachy and so for for a movie talking about racism this is really funny there's a lot of hilarious stuff in there and so overall i just i really loved this movie the cast is great especially the supporting cast and photography score it's great and i was really blown away by it it couldn't be more relevant, unfortunately, like you, like you guys were already saying. You know, um, I saw this three weeks ago, days before the anniversary of the racist Charlottesville rallies from last year, and and watching it in that context was just so impactful. All around, I can't recommend this film more highly. It's my favorite movie of the year so far, and uh, I really, really think everyone should see it. Whoa, favorite movie of the year so far. That's right. High, high praise from Daniel. Oh, All right. it is summer still. That's true. Yeah, we still, that's true. We got some. We got some time to go. Well, I am for the most part going to agree with what everyone has has said here. I am also going to probably be the most negative of everybody here, just from the standpoint of I do think some of the inconsistencies in the movie directly related to tonal shifts and or messaging are a bit jarring in a couple of places in particular, uh, and it was enough, whereas, and we'll talk about all of this when we get into spoilers, but overarching, you know, whereas Daniel would say 
the bookends of the movie went from good to great for him. For me, the it, it was not the opposite effect, but it went down a little bit. And I, I can't really wow. talk about why that is until we get into specifics. Because I think the overarching idea of what Spike Lee was trying to accomplish was extremely powerful. I just don't think he executed and earned that. And we'll talk about why I think that in, in spoilers. That said, totally agree that just as a standalone, unbelievable, true story, it's it's really very well done. And un, unlike a lot of his work, anybody could watch this. And I don't know that you would necessarily say, hey, that's a Spike Lee movie. It's just very well done. The cinematography is excellent. The performances are fantastic. The music cues are great all of that is 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 really really excellent there are there are some really brilliant editing and directorial choices here one the the opening which again we're going to keep this generic but the, but the the way this movie opens contrasting with gone with the wind and then another thing that happens with the widely regarded most racist film in american history birth of a nation there's a thing that happens with that movie in particular in the in the latter third of this that is working on so many different levels from a cinema history standpoint and from just a storytelling standpoint now that it's utterly brilliant. And I want to talk about that uh, in spoilers. So overall, for me, this is this mixed bag of brilliance mixed with because it's one of those things where I don't think people mind the preachiness when it's preaching to them, when it's preaching to the choir, right, when it's ringing a bell that they that they agree with. And for me, not that anybody agrees that racism is good, that's not what I'm saying, but I do think that it does cross a line a few times for me where the preachiness got a little too unartful and too heavy handed and too obvious mm-hmm. that it breaks the it breaks yep. the illusion of what I'm watching. That's what so, I had that and, same problem. Right. And that happened enough times for me that I couldn't allow myself to fully embrace it. And then when we got to the coda, specifically because of something that had happened before that, I felt that the, I felt that that didn't tie up like he wanted it to for me. And we'll talk about that. Why in spoilers? But overall, I can't argue with the craft that's on screen and I can't argue with anybody that fully loves this. Uh, you know, the first half of this, I thought this was going to be my favorite movie of the year so far. Unfortunately, when I left, it may still make my top 10, but i but I don't know. That's the exact problem I have with the movie when I say that it had its flaws. It's that there there are some moments in the film where he's trying to get a message across where he breaks his own tone and he puts a hole in the in the narrative that's already being successful. And that was a little bit disappointing because it's it's kind of like, you know, you don't have to sell me on the thing I already bought. And that Spike Lee sees that as his mission. He's not quiet about that. He he believes he's meant to be an evangelist for this sort of thing. And so every once in a while, he's going to evangelize where maybe the the crowd's already saved. You know. Yeah. And that's that's what I I I appreciated about the movie is I really didn't feel that it was overly preachy, especially for a Spike Lee film. Having having the history of watch having seen a number of Spike Lee movies going into it with that knowledge this 
it's it's hard to see this as preachy when you know what a preachy Spike Lee movie is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, with with Chirac and and other things that he's done recently, this is so far removed. You know, so many levels down on the preachy scale that it that it just kind of barely registered for me. Does that make sense? It does. And for me, it's not that there was an overarching sense of preachiness. I'm I'm referencing probably three scenes in particular that are so clearly drawn to be parallels to 2018 Mm -hmm. that it breaks the narrative. It just, it's so, it's almost like watching a little mini film in the middle of the movie to say, and now don't forget this is happening. And it just doesn't, that that's just so unartful. And I don't even think that's a word, but that's for me, it it, it was a, it was, well, it was unnecessary. It was unnecessary because the film is doing so good with the narrative. You know, that's that's the disappointment, I think, is is that, like, the narrative's working. He's crafted such a cool story, and and the characters, like, the, the pacing and everything is doing it for you, that we didn't need any mini-movies. You know, that's not to say Daniel's wrong. You know, yeah, it is, it's less preachy than some of his other stuff, but that doesn't, you know, that don't make it right. Yeah, yeah, and and I understand that. I understand that perspective. I would say what what the reason the the bookends to the film worked so well for me, and it's hard to talk about it fully without going to spoilers. I was so I'll, just I'll, about to suggest yeah. we do that. So and yeah, we will. so we, we need will. to dive in real quick. So I'll just kind of make this brief. But basically, the reason those things impacted me so much is because it weaved this history. It's it's it, the sto- story of Stallworth wasn't the beginning, wasn't the the, the middle, and wasn't the end. It's just it, it's it's just a chapter of this greater story of racism in America and and be, and that, that's told so well because of those bookends and because of that uh, scene in the middle that you were referencing Chad and a few other things going on that it, it gave it a, a greater sense of its place in history instead of just just focusing on this one single story about one cop it gave it kind of a grander picture and so that's that's what I appreciated about it. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think where I think where it, it didn't work as much for for me, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, is where he has where he landed on where we are currently at this place in in time. I, I should also say too, before we give our recommendations, that there has been some controversy uh, around this movie, but not probably from a place that many of us uh, would have anticipated. Boots Riley, who's the director of a film that we didn't officially review uh, on the on the show, but I know. Daniel, you and I both saw it. Rob and, and oh, Josh, we should I don't have. I think saw you it. have. Sorry to bother you, right? And so, Rob, did you see Sorry to Bother You? Oh, no, and and I wanted to see it so bad. Yeah, you definitely need yeah, to. You, you definitely it. need to. That's that, also that, movie was, that movie was screaming, Rob loves me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's... <laughs> Rob, it is it is wholly unique. Let me let me put it that way. It's for the craziest sure. movie I've seen in years. Yeah, it's fantastic. But yeah, it's great, and it also deals with with racism in America. But the director of of that film, Boots Riley, wrote a pretty. I don't want to say scathing, but a pretty hardcore critique uh, of this film and Spike Lee in particular about how uh, he was disappointed that he didn't portray the cops or that he he portrayed the cops as not being a uh, in an ally in the fight against racism. And it, it, it led to this back and forth where, you know, Spike Lee came back and said black people are not a monolithic group and we all have our different viewpoints and not all cops are bad. And so in the last couple of days, these these two have been going back and forth and it has been 
very interesting to see that the the differing perspectives there because someone I saw in a in a in a Twitter chain, which was actually really funny, replied to Boots Riley and said, "Well, aren't we all allowed to to talk about this from our own unique perspectives and do it in a different way? You know, kind of like a movie like Sorry to Bother You, <laughs> which is <laughs> totally accurate. But this movie is generating a lot of talk, and I think if if nothing else comes from it, then it's served its purpose. Well, you uh, you alluded to the Oscar potential here earlier, so we can yeah. kind of throw that out before we dive into spoilers. I uh, sure. I don't. Uh, I definitely don't think John David Washington is in contention for best actor. Personally, I don't know how you guys feel. I didn't. I wasn't really super impressed with his performance. I thought it was perfectly fine, but I thought he was he was mostly outshined by Adam Driver and the rest of the supporting cast. So who are all great? Did you got? How did you guys feel about his performance? I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I, I thought he was fine. He felt a little stiff to me. Yeah, and I felt like that might might be part of the character, maybe, but also just kind of yeah. felt stiff. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Adam Driver, I think, is phenomenal. In yeah, a- Adam Driver. Adam Driver is a treasure. Yeah, yeah. This like I, people don't people don't realize it just yet, but think about this, dude. The, this guy has been in Logan Lucky, Black Klansman. Right, and then silence. Silence. Yeah. Yep. And Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, and he's Kylo Ren. Yeah. So there's yeah. also that. Yeah. He's so one it's of those, just like, and he was a marine. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. He's one of those who's just sitting and waiting for his Oscar win because it's coming. Yeah. It's just yeah. he needs the right role. He's great. He's been playing a lot of great supporting characters. He needs yeah. to break out in the lead. Which, so, which, by the way, too, Daniel, before you go into that, I know it's just a little aside, but I, somehow when Silence came out a couple of years ago, I never got around to seeing it in the theater partly because it was in town here for like a half of one day and then left. <laughs> uh, and I finally saw it the other day and that movie is I don't know what you guys think about that film. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's Un- unreal. It's unreal. That movie, wow. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. Great. But yeah, so, uh, so I, I don't think he'll be in contention there, but I do think this film will be its best Oscar play is adapted screenplay. You know, Spike Lee has never won an Oscar. He's actually got an honorary Oscar, and he's one of those great filmmakers who's never won a competitive one. And so he's definitely, that's going to play well into his favor. In addition to this movie, is just very well written. So uh, I expect to see him really going for a win on adapted screenplay. A lot of the other movies haven't come out yet, so we'll see how the race shakes out. But as of right now, it, it you know it would be a wise bet to say that he he wins the whole thing, and so uh, he you know it could contend elsewhere, could make it into best picture, could if he's real lucky make it into director, but I I don't see that happening. But I see a, a picture nomination, and potentially a screenplay win being uh, being in Black Klansman's future. You heard it here first, there or maybe go. not first, but really soon. <laughs> no, first, for, I like it first. Yeah. Let's go around and give our recommendations. Uh, as usual, we have four options. You should screen it in the theater. You should rent it. You should stream it on a service that you already pay for, or should you skip it altogether? Rob, what do you think? Screen this in the theater. Go pay your money. Watch some great art that tells you something important about where we're at in America and contemplate your life and then come out and try to make the world a better place. There you go. Joshua? What Rob said. All of it. Rob and Josh agree. Josh is trying to send people to the cinema. That's all. <laughs> Listen, if you, you have to go, you don't says, have a choice. Pay your money and go to the theater. <laughs> you got whatever it is. You just sight unseen. It's, you have to go. Daniel, I can, I can take a guess here. 
absolutely this is worth the trip to the theater but if it's not playing in your city make sure you rent it or buy it right away because this is well worth it it is absolutely theater worthy we are in 100 percent agreement go see this in the cinema and with that let's move to spoilers for black klansman the first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club well you look nervous is it the scars you want to know how I got him? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my house in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. All right, so I wanted to take a little liberty here and start with what I thought was just absolutely brilliant in the middle of this movie. So I don't know how many of our, our listeners out there, although if you listen to a movie podcast, I'm, I'm sure that you are uh, deeply involved and love the cinema. Although, to be fair, Josh is a host of a podcast and he doesn't <laughs> like movies at all, so you never know. But Birth of a Nation was absolutely groundbreaking for its time specifically with birth of a nation is it was if it wasn't the first and i feel like it is it was one of the very first that employed a cross-cutting technique of parallel stories Mm -hmm. of having one story in one place and another story in another place and edit editing them together at the same time because prior to that the belief was everything had to be essentially linear or an audience would not understand it because back in those days movies were still magic right we're talking 20 you know 15 years after movies were invented right absolutely right and so what i what i loved about the scene where you have the you have the kkk sitting in a room together watching birth of a nation and then that film is cross or that scene is cross cut with the story of this um, this lynching that happened for a mentally challenged individual who was who was lynched and drug out and the it's it's almost impossible to describe without seeing it but the way that it is cut the way that it is paced on the one hand you're sure you could make an argument that is that it's on the nose but on the other hand the fact that it essentially uses birth of a nation and then weaponizes it against racism and then interweaves it into a thing that it was that it's known for i thought was so good and i don't know how many people even noticed that but for me i just couldn't i was just floored Mm -hmm. with that entire sequence how wonderful and how great that was and i wish he had he had done that kind of stuff all the way through because it would have been a masterpiece but for me that was a just an unbelievable sequence and harry belafonte is amazing in that scene uh he is he he his delivery of that story is so raw and real it it feels like this must be a the the real guy you know and i don't know what harry belafonte's story is but you can tell there's there's real hurt here and so uh just his delivery of that really took it to a whole nother level i really loved that whole scene that was really really powerful it was i i loved the juxtaposition of it without knowing the the film history aspect I, i i mean i've heard of birth of a nation and but i didn't know the the 
the narrative aspect of it. That's really interesting. Yeah. Since since is, we're like so uh, since we're talking spoilers at this point, uh, hopefully this is a good place for me to point out this is what's tonally good about the film. Yep. And you know you hear so many people say at the end of the movie I couldn't speak. Well, I couldn't speak during this. This was the most yes. impactful moment for me, and it was far more impactful than the uh, final moments of uh, real footage that was taken from the riots. That yanked me out of the film hard, not even a little, right? Like, I, I was like, whoa, whoa, what's going on, you know? And, and um, But this moment in the middle was when our theater became completely quiet. Right. Yeah, man. Nobody it's masterpiece moved. level. It's absolute. Yeah. I mean, just it works on so many different levels thematically and technically. Yeah. And, the, and like Daniel said, the performances are are just brilliant. It's yeah, it's it's absolutely great. There are just so many really good, well thought out flourishes in here in the middle of, you know, this. I mean, I don't want to say traditional, but in the middle of this cop story. Well, let's let's talk about the ending because uh, I because I I, I got to totally disagree. I, that that ending worked so well for me, and really, you know, what it showed is the story's not over. Yes, great, the the cop you know defeated the people they were investigating, and that whole thing was over. But because it started with the opening, Alex Baldwin talk, describing kind of the rejuvenation of the KKK. Uh, paired with the state of the KKK in the 70s, and then it goes into the state of racism today, you know, that the fight isn't over, uh, you know, he didn't defeat the the enemy that is racism. Uh, to me, that, that felt so, uh, that wrapped it up so well and made, and was, it was already relevant, and it just brought us right into today. That, that worked so well for me, really impacted me. So what, what was it that you guys didn't like about that ending? I, I just didn't think that it was necessary because in the scene just before that, when he and his girlfriend are walking down the hallway and they get to the window and they see that the clan, you know, here they've done all this work, they've busted these people, and the clan is right outside their window burning a cross, we already, we get it. Right, like, like uh, it, it's not over. Uh, yeah, but w w I think that w it's not. So it was like, enough. so like, what you're saying is, it's like you wanted them to go. It's not over, and it's not over. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I guess, like, I mean, that's fine for you. I guess I just didn't, you know. And it's and like, uh, as far as like following the Charlottesville riots, and and that, like, you know. I was super active with that, as were most of the people, like kind of in my online community, about saying, "Hey, this is terrible. This isn't good. We need to, you know, stand against this. This is an awful thing." So, like, nobody. I, I don't think, um, and I, I have an interesting perspective on this that I'll try to say quickly, uh, based on a conversation I had with a, a group of black people about the film. Is like I, I'm not. We, we've got the news, Daniel. Like, it's already here. We know it's not over. And the, and the film kind of points us in that direction and then breaks its own narrative to give us a completely different piece of media to say the same thing again. That's what I didn't like about it. It wasn't that I feel like we, we don't need to be ever reminded about it. It's just like I've already got Twitter to remind me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. But at the same time, like, seeing that footage at first jarred me a little bit but it really feels to me like the third act of the movie was very strong and i liked i liked the way the yeah movie wrapped i up. agree 
and that footage to me felt more like an epilogue than yeah. than the end of the movie and like we had david duke in the movie and then we had footage of david duke today we had them talking in the movie about political candidates and we have footage of of this and and of the Charlottesville sure. riots and stuff so to me viewing it as an epilogue kind of makes more sense to me than than sure uh, a preachy yeah. part of the movie that's a different kind of media that we don't need right and just like and with so, with a lot of true stories you'll end with photographs of the real people and saying yeah they died on this day this is what they did in the last years whatever that's exactly like josh said that's that's how i viewed this it was here's where david duke is now still active still has a following here's what his impact has been to this day we still have these racist riots going on and so to me, that that's exactly how I took it as just kind of like, and here's how our characters are still still whatever they're still doing, and so it really works for me on that level. Yeah. So my my issue with it is all of that sounds good, except that wasn't how it was presented, right? Because yes, it showed David Duke, but it didn't give us that same treatment for Ron Stallworth and the other people right. that were in the police department. So it wasn't set up as an epilogue. Not only was it not really set up like an epilogue, but the the literal shot that sets it up is you see them get up off the couch and open the door, and then it does this you know this uh, lens effect, long lens effect into them zooming into this burning cross, right, right. and then it goes. So it, it it just wasn't set up that way. It's set up to complete the movie. And my biggest problem with it, and again, I loved the sentiment behind it. That's why I did it's too. so complicated. Yeah, I did too. For me to talk about it because right. as we've talked about a lot, I grew up in racist Alabama people like racist Alabama with my next door neighbor who was literally in the KKK. Okay. So I hate racism more than just about anything I can think about. Okay. So, I mean, I had friends in high school that were attacked because they were black. Okay. So I hate it. Sorry. I get actually a little emotional about it, but the problem I had here with the end of this is that I think a director's intent is important. And I think what he is saying is, to me, it draws a through line from this stuff that happened in the 70s. And what I took from it was that when it goes to this stuff at the end, it wasn't just that, and there's still work to be done. To me, it clearly said, and where we are in 2018 is essentially where we were in the 70s and it's just as bad as it's always been because hey look at our president right so you have this scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. earlier where they clear i mean it's so obvious where they that you have this conversation between the two characters and they say no i can't remember the president they were talking about i'm sorry but you know they they, they say this this person is this problem and this problem and this problem no one would ever elect them president and then there's like this awkward three second beat where nothing happens i mean they could have literally looked into the camera and winked right Mm -hmm. and so you you stack those things on top of each other for me i felt like the ending wasn't earned because it clearly is not over but it is also clearly so much better in 2018 than it was 45 years ago and i don't think there's any room in recognizing that and in this case i i actually think to be honest with you i don't think that the film as an as a whole was provocative enough 
to actually earn that kind of ending. I felt like it was brilliant in places, but that overall, it's very accessible. It's not like Malcolm X was. Mm -hmm. It's not like Do the Right Thing. And so it, it wasn't directed with the same rage. So then for this ending beat to happen, as if the movie has set that up, I just don't think it earned it. And then I also think it draws a false line to say, it's just as bad, we've made no progress. Even though I'm a, a multimillionaire director who is black and have opportunities that they didn't right. have 50 years ago. It's complicated. Right. It's just well, complicated. Can I, can, I, can I say something? I'll try to be super quick. So I'm working on, a, I'm working on another project. It's a different podcast that I guess I'll just say has to do with racial, racial reconciliation. And I happened to be in a group full of black women who had just seen the, who had just seen the film. And we started talking about the ending because I had gone to see the film. One of the guys I went to see it with, I'll just say this, uh, this is that he's not the kind of guy who strikes me as being really sympathetic to Black Lives Matter, <laughs> you know, sort of a sort of a thing, right? And I, I wouldn't categorize him as racist, but neither would I categorize him as a guy who's like really into the idea of something like systematic racism, right? And I watched through the movie as this guy got really, really impacted by this. And on the way home, he said, I felt like at the very end it was like, hey, we can all do this together. We can figure this out, but not you. <laughs> like, I don't. And I was really struck by the fact that he had, he'd felt that way at the end, right? And I mentioned that to these people these black ladies and their response really was surprising to me and they said well that's because the end of the movie isn't for you and i was like what and they're like well of course you go into it thinking that the only person spike lee wants to preach to is a white man but like he's trying to say plenty of things to us and the end of the film to them the way that they took the end of the film was he was saying like there's a lot of work to be done but you guys are like basically him saying that black people as a culture need to also realize that like screaming and yelling and remaining upset isn't the way to move things along and they saw it as like a real proponent of change saying we're not where we were 50 years ago we're not where we were 70 years ago we're in a different place we need to be thinking about where we're headed and i i told them the truth i said well you're right like i know that never occurred to me you know yeah, we got deep. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you so, go. so what I'm I trying have to no tell you, to that yeah. Right. So, so, like, what I'm trying to tell you, Daniel, is you're wrong. The end isn't even for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's just clear that art obviously impacts everyone and yeah. reflects our own experiences in in different ways. And there's not there's not a right or wrong answer. No, Dan just, Daniel's wrong. You know, <laughs> well, and importantly, <laughs> well, <I agree. laughs> importantly, we're four white guys, and and so to, talking about is uh, how far have we come with racism. Uh, you know things like that well it doesn't impact us at all the four right of us. and so right. for you know so for us to be having that conversation is a little misplaced anyway and so i acknowledge that uh but yeah for me it impacted me a lot so that's how i took the ending i just want to say one thing during the spoiler section i want to say that the scene where adam driver is about to go through the uh lie detector test is one of the funniest things i've seen in probably like five years <laughs> there was so much you know, funny that, stuff here. That is yeah, true. That really is one was. thing we haven't said. This movie's legitimately it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I did yeah. not expect it to be so freaking funny. Yeah, the so. jokes the jokes happen over and over and over again and they land. Yes. Yeah, really like did. it's 
I, I, I don't want to cheap cheapen the movie at all, but I definitely want to see like a sequel with those same <laughs> that same group. <laughs> yeah, that's of right. Yeah. So one, just one quick dumb thing. Um, I and this is a true story, and so it happened this way. But the only thing I really want to know from this story is, from the minute he gets the KKK local chapter head hooked on the phone, and he's like, "Yeah, I want to meet you." Why at that point isn't Adam's drive Adam Driver's character given the case? Like why isn't right. he the guy on the phone and in person? Yeah, I was curious about similar things. A lot of uh, uh, from what I gather after reading up a little bit, obviously I haven't read the book, but I I I think it's not so much based in reality. There seem to be a lot of things that they kind of took license with. So, but I do think that is one thing that was real that that they worked the case together, which seemed so strange. Right. Why would he keep talking on the phone? That's so risky. Uh, so that yeah, that was that was odd for sure. That's weird because I heard a re- I heard a review of it comparing it with a memoir and like saying that the only thing that was really fabricated was Patrice. Well, so that's his memoir. Uh, I've uh, I've read again. This is what I've read, not my own opinion. I have no idea if this is right or not. Apparently, his memoir d- does does similar things. Kind of kind of takes oh, license with the truth. So that, I don't know if that's true or not. Mm-hmm. But that's just what I read. I have a, a thought about this, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with where the department itself was in terms of um, where and how uh, a black cop could operate within the department. And so... There, the fact you, that they didn't want to take the case on at all, really. Th- that's right. And so, you know, he was being moved around to a desk job already. And so he was doing what he could from the desk job. And, you know, I, you know, arguably the greatest line in the whole film is, with the right white man, I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess that does it for our review of Black Klansman. We want to once again thank our friend Rob Alderman for joining us. You can catch his podcast again at $5 Film. That's the number five on all your favorite social networks. And you can catch us at ScreenersCast on Facebook, at ScreenersCast on Twitter. Email us at ScreenersCast at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Subscribe all the places. Why not? We love having subscribers. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.